one and all, everybody, welcome back to Maine Education Matters. We're back, 2022. Uh, thank you very much for downloading, listening, subscribing, and all of that jazz. Uh, for those of you who are new to the podcast, what we do here is we follow the happenings, the goings-on, the tomfoolery, all of the <laughs> shenanigans coming out of the Joint Standing Committee on Education and Cultural Affairs, and of course, the copious amounts of shenaniganery uh, coming out of the Maine Department of Education. Uh, then what we do is we kind of toss it all into a blender, make it all, share it all with you, all that fun and good times for you, our intrepid and faithful 17 listeners. Uh, so thank you very much. Uh, yeah, uh, it's up from 13. That's pretty good. There's some growth. I'm going to take credit for that, though. It's because of me. I'm sorry. Who, who am I? <laughs> So for those of you who have been listening for a long time, uh, welcome back. For those of you who are new, thank you very much for downloading, listening, and coming to us. Um, what we have here is version 3.0 of Main Education Matters. And uh, we have, I'm, I'm so delighted and uh, over the moon to, um, I've ascended to cloud 11, which is beyond cloud nine. Um, wow. <laughs> and uh, I am uh, just thrilled to have be able to uh, introduce and welcome our new co-host to this Main Education Matters podcast, the the uh, incredible and podcast guru them, themselves, Courtney, Courtney Belolan. Hello. Hey, Matt. I Thank you. I am very, very excited to be the new co-host of Maine Education Matters. Um, when when I knew uh, that Julie, the beloved co-host before me, and I'll say the beloved first other Matt, uh, both of yeah. them were amazing. And um, a part of me kind of hoped that I would get asked to be the, the co-host on this podcast. So, so here I am. Um, I only podcast with people named Matt. So some of you know, I'm, I have another podcast, uh, sometimes referred to as the the parent podcast of this podcast, which is awkward. But we have to have a discussion about this. Yeah, yeah. But uh, personalized learning with Matt and Courtney. But let's not talk about that. So I'm here, and um, I have been in the main education community since the early 2000s, and I'm still here. Some of you know some of what I do in my professional life, and I do just want to make the blanket statement, and I will probably remind you all of this every week, um, or at least every time we have a podcast, that um, I'm here on this podcast representing myself and my own ideas, and the things I say and talk about do not express the opinions of my um, my employers. Yeah, I think that's important yeah. for, for you say, and, you know, quite frankly, me as well, I think, because we yeah. know since we're both uh, ingrained in the education system in Maine and other places, it's important to put that out there that it's like, no, our organizations aren't voicing this. This is just yeah. us hanging out talking, yes. uh, you know, because, you know, I think I think we're allowed to have our own independent thoughts. Totally. And I, I think we are. Um, and we will have to have this conversation, though, because there was discussion. We, we've, you know, we had a podcast, me and Julie and you and Matt uh, last. Yeah. This is last fall, last summer, something like that about this. And there was discussion about like sister podcast, parent pod. What happens now with that? Because I know it's gotten weird. <laughs> it's gotten weird. And 
And so I, mean, I think we'll, 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 we'll put a pin in that now. And if any of you out there, listeners out there want, want to have any ideas or thoughts as to this, I would love to hear them uh, go ahead and, and send us a message, but um, yeah, but I, I cannot tell you uh, how thrilled I am to bring your level of expertise uh, into this particular podcast and into this part of the show, because I think your expertise in these areas, but also a lot of your insight is going to uh, do wonders for our listeners. Oh, thank you. I, I know that because I have none and anything would be better than none. So <laughs> I'm just here because uh, I have the pretty face and on a podcast, an audio podcast, <laughs> that works. Doesn't get you far. Doesn't pretty face on a podcast doesn't get you far. All right. Well, so we're not here to talk about all of those other things. We are here to talk about Maine education legislation. Yeah. So, I mean, so for those of you who are, are paying attention or not paying attention, which might be why you're listening to this podcast, the, the Maine legislature has started up again for their second session of yep. the 130th legislative session. So this one is a bit weird. They're all a bit weird, if I'm being honest. Um, right, but second session is weirder. Second session is weirder. It's it's like a it's like a two minute drill of legislation because mm-hmm. you start in January and they're done by mid April. And if you, you don't necessarily have a whole lot of opportunity to present new bills, a lot of it's yeah. uh, coming up from previous carryover bills. There are right. situations where new bills could be added in, but they're like emergency only or right. they're they're really special special circumstances. So, so any of those bills that were left over from the first session that the folks in the education committee and the leadership said, we want to carry over are being carried over. Yes. Um, there is a list of that. It's available on the, the DOE, not the DOE, the legislative website out there. Mm-hmm. I always want to say DOE for some reason. I always default to saying the DOE website. Um, yeah. So there, it is out there. But then again, what, what we don't know is that that's just kind of the, the, the playbook. Right. But what's being now, what's being, the plays are now that being called in this two minute drill, they're starting to be laid out. And we've had a couple of weeks now, as we're recording this on January the 14th, we've had mm-hmm. two public here, three public hearings. There, so- there have been, yeah, there have been three dates with public hearings. There's been one date that was just reports. And then um, on a couple of the public hearing dates, there were also reports because this year is the year of the reports, you know, like the seven year locust cycle. It's like, (laughs) it's the locust report year. They're all crawling out from under the, the, uh, (laughs) the dirt, making their chirping noises. It is. It's, 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 it's insane. Cause I mean, last year there were well over 200 bills or so that were, that were introduced and 50 or so of them were changed or to, or created to be report backs. And mm-hmm. those report backs are due mid January of this year. So yeah. from June until now, the DOE had to, Annette and Mepri and all those folks had to come up with these 50 reports, some of which as Representative Brennan said, are perfunctory, um, <laughs> which I thought was hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but others are just our brand new bills, brand new, brand new studies that had to be done on reading proficiency or um, diversity, equity, inclusion trainings and other things like that that are coming forward. So it's they've had a lot of work to do. And I can't imagine Dewey's had anything else going on in the last six to eight months that they've had to be really focused on. 
So it's, yeah. it's been a, it's again, it's a weird, it's a weird situation. It's a weird time, but the interesting thing about this session too, is once April happens and comes April, then it's done. Yeah. It's done it's until over. next, next January ish. When, cause when the new legislators put into place, cause we're now in an election year. Right. Right. Yeah. It, it's crazy. All right. So I, I was looking through my notes here because I actually had, I thought I had the number of reports the DOE actually had to give this year. And I want to say it was, it was over 100, but uh, 50, no, yeah, 50 report backs that the DOE has to do this year. Uh, that's a lot. And so in that hearing when, um, oh, no, it was actually that very, the very first committee meeting where they had the long, one of the long DOE reports, um, Representative Brennan, I believe it was, brought up like, hey, can we maybe take a look at all these different reports and sift through which ones are um, recurring ones? How often do they happen? Which ones were maybe reports we, we kind of put into law like a bunch of years ago and maybe aren't necessary anymore. Um, and, and I think that that has been a characteristic of this ed committee is looking for efficiency and looking for ways to be more efficient. So I'm kind of, a, I'm interested to see what happens with that, even though they did then, you know, last session kind of ask for a ridiculous amount of reports. Um, I think they are also at the same time realizing that there is room to improve the efficiency around reporting from the DOE and what's necessary and what isn't. Um, and that being said, if you're curious, you can go onto the Ed Committee website and see all of the reports as they get put up. Yeah, because they are not going to present all of them. Many of them will just be, um, the committee members will receive the reports and then there will be a question and answer session. Right. And then and then if the, any kind of legislation needs to be pushed forward because of that, or right. if there is any kind of pending legislation already, they can then tie that in as, as part of that. Or it just says, nope, you got the information and we're moving on with our lives. Right, right. They might not do anything. Yeah. So should we kind of just go run down through the dates and what happened? Let's get into it. I believe our first... Okay. Um, I will say this too, for the, uh, just, just to, as a reminder to our faithful 17 listeners and our new listeners, uh, if you are trying to you know, keep track of all this stuff, there's a couple places you can go to do it. The first is, of course, the Ed Committee uh, website, but also we have, um, and I think it's pinned in our social media profiles, and if it's not, it will be by the time you hear this. Uh, we have a um, spreadsheet that we keep track of all these bills, and so far it is up to date as of right now. Uh, as of what's being heard, work session dates, et cetera. And we're going to try to keep, make sure that we keep all things like um, yeah. votings, all that other kind of stuff in, in, in line. I will say, I, I apologize because last year's got a little bit out of hand. I, I think we can give it to you for last year. I think, you know what, that statement, just full stop, last year got a little out of hand, like explains a lot. <laughs> Very true. So... <laughs> So uh, the first public hearing date was on the 11th. Yep. And there were a couple of bills that were held that day. Uh, first one, uh, 17, no, the first one was 1775. We'll go with that one. Okay. A resolve regarding main care funding for main schools. I don't know about you, but I have a long history of 
avoiding any conversation about funding. Good for you. Um, I pretty much do too. It's never anything that's been a part of my responsibilities um, in, a, in a school district anyway, but it was really, it was really interesting to listen. And I know it's like, I'm going to say that all the time and you guys are going to be like, Cordy thinks everything's interesting. Um, I do. All right. I do find everything interesting. A lot of things anyway, but I didn't know this. Like, and it, people were making really good points. Like, so the, the, the whole idea behind this bill is to make it easier for districts to bill main care for a lot of special education services that could be billed and paid for through main care, which makes 100% sense. So uh, there was no opposition to this. Great. Everyone was like, yes, please make it easier. <laughs> right. So, yay. Uh, so hopefully that'll happen. That was a fast one. That was really fast. Yeah, um, these first two were both pretty fast. They they kind of I like the scheduling strategy here. Let's start off with ones that don't have a lot of controversy that we that we know are just going to kind of sail right through. Seventeen yeah. that was LD seventeen eighty, an act to allow unorganized, unorganized territory school staff to receive annualized pay, presented by Representative Dumfrey out of Old Town. Did you know this? Did you know that this happened? That uh, teachers in unorganized territories couldn't get their paycheck, couldn't choose to have a year-round paycheck. This, uh, th this is something that they've done legislation on before as well. Only just only a couple oh. of years ago, because uh, like certain staff members of certain schools, it wasn't automatically assumed they could do it. And so, I remember when I, I remember working in different places where you had the choice of you could either get paid. Mm -hmm during the course of the school year and not have any payment over the course of the summer or right. not. And so, but some places only only said, this is your only option. Right. And so I'm glad that they're able to, to people, Hey, you're able to have a consistent paycheck over right. the course of the summer. And health insurance. Like, health Oh insurance. man, I was really floored that, that um, it was the case that they did not have that choice. Um, and that especially, and that the healthcare became that, that they had to Cobra or go without, right? Right. Um, for, for the summer months, that's that's insane to me. So I, I was really blown away by this one. And But I do think it's worth, if for some reason, someone who's not a member of the education community is listening to this podcast, teachers don't, uh, education staff, I should say, um, mostly, it's different for administrators, but um, teacher staff for sure, don't get paid for 12 months. They get paid. <gasps> no, yeah, their salary is for the, the roughly nine months of school. No, they and get summers off. Stop. <laughs> they don't stop. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's a huge misconception. Like, well, it is a really huge misconception. No. And the, the year round paycheck, so the year round paycheck is not for year round, for is not being paid ah. year round. It's it's extending the, the nine months that you're paid for across 12 months so that you can have a consistent income um, and make life more reasonable. So yeah, it's, that, it's, a, yeah. it's a very weird thing because you hear people say, well, you're salaried. You're on a salary scale and you're all salaried. Yes, and, and they're also yeah. paid by the number of contract days. Right. So they're paid by number of days worked. They're not paid oh. just be, to be like, here's, here's a a slew of money you can spend over the course of the year and you have X number of vacation days that you can spend on your own and the rest of it belongs to us. All your right. No, it doesn't work that way. 
that's not how it works. But it's yeah. it's you, you put the word salary in there. People outside of it say, oh, well, then you're just your salary. Right. Yeah, but it's a but the contract is days. It's day, yes, it's very different. So so anyway, um, so those two. I mean, work sessions next week, but I expect that those two are going to go through. They'll say, um, yeah, that's like most of the committee. You could kind of like see their faces were like kind of surprised or like why hasn't this been done fixed already? So I expect both of those to sail through no problem. I do too. Coming up on the twelfth. Yeah, the twelfth was a day again trying to have a, a theme there. All about yes. uh, post-secondary and the University of Maine system and uh, community college system. Three right. bills that day. Uh, first, uh, LD 1816, an act to promote labor education through the University of Maine system, presented by Representative Fecto out of Biddeford. Yep. Yeah. And so this was about um, establishing, is this that, yeah, the, a labor center at, at USM um, in the UMaine system and it was a little unclear to me exactly like what that meant. And so like listening to the testimony helped a little, but I'm still, one of the questions that was asked that I thought was a great question was like, is, so is this center and the stuff that happens in this center, is it independent or does it become like a part of the curriculum at USM and in different USM programs? And they had a super honest answer. And I always appreciate that when people say, we're still figuring that out, you know, right. like, um, so I'm curious about this. I don't entirely understand what it means. Uh, everybody seemed very in support of this. So it, it sounds like it's a good thing. Yeah, I don't remember seeing or hearing much or any uh, in, uh, what's called testimony against it. No, there wasn't. Yeah. Which is actually a very strong trend in our state when it comes to anything yes. in terms of non-traditional college-oriented type education. Yes. Built in. Um, it's it's that's been a very consistent thread over the last few years in Maine education, which I think is both great and worrying, because yeah. education we tend and been doing this now for over twenty years, and I've seen this time and time again. We work on pendulums, and right. so we swing one way hard, and then we swing the other way hard. Yeah, and we swung really hard in the college. Everyone's got to go to college. Everyone has to go to college to be successful, and I've. I worry that we're swinging hard the other way. And so there's got to be some voices in the room that make sure that we're with intention that we have that balance for both because I don't think there's one right way for, well, there isn't one right way for every kid, for any kid who knows what right. they're getting into. And yeah. so, I, you know, the role of our schools should be to prepare our kids for any opportunity and to try this, try that, as they say in Zootopia, try everything. And- yeah. Shakira and her hips don't lie. Uh, so it's what? <laughs> she sang that song. Moving on. <laughs> Look, I, you should know be enough by now to know that this is the stuff that I will do. I will both intentionally and unintentionally derail this podcast in a I know, and it's a cornucopia of ways. All right. So the next bill, uh, eighteen twenty. <laughs> was about, it's an act to strengthen governance of the UMaine college system. And this is about adding non-voting staff, staff members to the board. This was fascinating. It, this was fascinating. And there is disagreement here. There is, wow. 
Um, and it sounds like there are feelings on both sides. Oh, very uh, strong feelings. That's a lot of feelings people are having. Yeah, there's feelings and there's lack of trust. And uh, so I, I will, I'll be watching this one kind of mostly out of curiosity. Um, I don't know enough about this, right? Like, it seems to make sense to me that staff should be on the board. Um, apparently this happens in other states, but not all states. So, right. so I mean, I, I think about like a lot of school districts at their school, at their board of education level, yeah. uh, they, they might have students, student representatives on their board. They might not right. be voting members, but they can at least provide reporting and context and right. a voice for those, for those folks. Now, whether or not these staff have a voting right or not, I think that's part of the discussion, but to at least have the ability to have a voice on it is something that, you know. I'm pretty sure it's, it is stated in the bill non-voting, that it's just about having staff at, on the board as, to participate in discussion and be there as a voice. Um, non-voting was said many times. So I'm pretty sure it's, it's non-voting, but yeah, so that will be um, at the work session next week. And they, the ed committee asked questions about communication between the board members and staff kind of trying to tease out, I think, or at least aim a spotlight towards perhaps the, the reasons for the disconnect in opinion here. Yep. Yes, you're right. I'm looking at the uh, bill right now, and it does say that they are all non-voting members. And there will yeah. be three members, a faculty member, a non-faculty staff member, member and an adjunct faculty uh, st uh, adjunct faculty member as well. Right. Yeah. So, so three members. I will say that, too, this is also an emergency bill. So if it were to get all the way through and passed, it would be turn. It would be active right away. Um, it's also a long bill. And it had an emergency preamble with four whereases. And for those of you who know, we do track the whereas that's important I, yeah. it is it's very important and uh so it's it's uh because i will say this in, in the in the first 130th session the bills were severely lacking in whereas i know you were upset about that i, I was not impressed what they, what they lacked in whereas they just made up in volume of your sheer bills <laughs> Yeah, and so, you know who's still waiting to testify down in the cross building? Who would that be? <laughs> no, oh, the school right. for immunization and vaccination. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're still yeah. waiting. They're, still they waiting. are. They are still waiting in uh, in that sub basement bunker. The cardboard <laughs> the cardboard cutouts of the Ed Committee members are still in that little room sitting there, so they can at least look through the window and pretend like there's someone well seeing that they can see images in there while the right. real business is going on upstairs. <laughs> okay. All right. So the last one on the 12th was also another one that I found really fascinating. Um, LD 1838, an act to improve access to post-secondary transcripts. And so the goal of this bill is to prevent, to prohibit universities, post-secondary institutions in the state of Maine from withholding transcripts and diplomas, although admitted by the sponsor, it's really more about the transcript than the diploma. Uh, to anyone who owes money to that institution, which could range from a parking ticket all the way up to thousands of dollars for tuition, like if they don't have a loan, right, that's paying for their tuition. So uh, again, there's for, there's against. Yep. So I'm, I'm a student and I've gotten a full-on 
I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get, I, I have the opportunity to get a full on scholarship to whatever program I want. Oh, is this hypothetical or is this real? Hypothetical. Okay. <laughs> um, and I, in my, you know, four years ago, let's say I, I lost a library book. Yeah. And I never paid that fine because it was like, you know, like 20 bucks, whatever. Yeah. They're gonna withhold, they could withhold my transcript for that. Yes. So this is a practice that this some is colleges an actual do. practice. Yes, it is. It's an actual practice. Like what um, that? Come on. Yeah. Now, and if, so if it's if it's like thousands of dollars, if it's if it's even a, you know, right. a device or whatnot, I get it. But I'm also I'm also like I, I get that you're trying to have some kind of leverage over the people right. to, yes. to have them pay you back. Right. At the same point, I say, what are we doing? Here? Right. It's ridiculous. It's kind of ridiculous for like, yeah, for 25. And so I think to the, you know, to the credit of everybody that testified, there was some really wonderful testimony about the social, um, social, socioeconomic impacts of this practice on upward mobility and, and the ability for people to get training that will then lead to the jobs that will then help them pay for these things, right? Amazing points. Yes, true points. And the ridiculousness of withholding transcript for something like a, a late library book or a parking ticket. And to the credit of the people, uh, you know, from the, the college systems that um, were either, they were neither for nor against or, or against, I can't remember, um, that it's a legitimate way to get in contact with someone, right? Um, I'm not saying it's I'm not making a judgment either way, but it's a, it's a way to, it is a means of initiating contact with someone. And they also did talk about recognizing the ridiculousness, right? And maybe, maybe there's a threshold, right? That under a certain amount of money, you can't do this, but for higher, maybe it's reasonable. Um, I mean, I, and it, it, it does sound like at least here in Maine, most, most places there is an, there is an element of humanness that comes out in this process. Um, but it's sticky. It's sticky. It is sticky. It, yeah. it, it is sticky. I would, I would hope that one of the things that they could maybe work out instead of saying, we're going to withhold your transcript and we're going to withhold you going is going to be a thing like, well, we no, we'll give you the transcript so you, know, you can do mm -hmm. those, those things so you can apply and et cetera. And maybe, you know, could we as a school work with the institution that you're choosing to say like, Hey, they have a debt. Can we work right. out something like you can't register? until you pay your debt over here to kind of help build a level of accountability and responsibility. Could you work something like that out instead of like, right. instead of like saying you can't have, you, we can't release your transcript, which for some schools, they need that at the end of the spring semester to make sure that, you know, you, yeah, you're, you're, you did your, you did your part, especially if you got early admission. Right. Um, so fascinating. Absolutely. Yeah. I, and it is. And there's going to be a solution that makes sense to everybody. And so I think this will actually be a work session that's that's like nice to listen to uh, when they get to this one. They did ask for um, they were being thoughtful in who they asked and the information they asked to have for the work session. Right. I guess, yeah. I guess the 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 person who is so the educator who is so uh, just deeply passionate about like effective grading practices and mm -hmm. that kind of thing makes me think like to what extent is this like a, a similarity or a holdover or a carryover from like, Hey, grades are the only thing we have to keep the kids accountable. 
Yeah. And yeah. Does it work? When we all know it doesn't. Um, right. right. You know, especially for what we want. So I don't. I won't get into that. that that's just kind of where my head when I when I hear that kind of thing is like, okay, so now we're just. No, you're right. Oh, you're right. It's a parallel for sure. It's an old practice that there's evidence that it may or may not work, but. Um, the anecdotal and personal experience of people says it does work. So it's really hard to uh, change. Yeah. yeah. So, All right. Speaking of changing, what happened on the 13th? On the 13th, had a couple of bills come forward. Uh, 1802, an act to amend the requirements of the reorganization plan for the formation of regional school units presented by Representative Stearns out of Guilford. And this bill allows districts to kind of cha change up their structures if they need to, if they're seeing if they're seeing that they need to consolidate at different grade levels. Right now, the RSU law says it's got to be pre-K to 12. And right. this is changing that RSU RSU structure to be like, well, no, if you if you wanted to get to a contract with keep elementary schools here, build high schools over here or consolidate, do it, some kind of a structure like that across right. districts, across uh, RSUs, you can do that. You can do it. Yeah. So the, the example that was talked about in the testimony was up in Aristic, I believe, where um, it's easier to keep elementary schools in towns, but it's much more difficult to have a high school in a town that has enough um, resources to provide learners with an adequate um, education. So, so for example, it would be easier for some of the small towns out there to have an elementary school that maybe goes K-5 or maybe K-8 and then have a regionalized middle school and a regionalized high school that would actually pull from different RSUs perhaps, right? Um, so that they could pull resources and maybe then everybody can have French and Spanish and German, right? Like things like that. Uh, so I, it makes a lot of sense. And one thing I want to point about this bill and the other bill that was heard today, it's a different kind of bill in the sense that it is presented on behalf of the DOE, right? So there are bills out there that are purely um, made up by legislators. <laughs> and then there are bills, and sometimes they're great, sometimes they're not. And then there are other bills that are written and presented on behalf of or in conjunction with the DOE. And it always says that very clearly in the bill text. Um, and so this is one. So that's a signal that like this has been pretty well thought out. Um, many eyes have been on it. Many perspectives have been on it. And to a large extent um, makes a lot of sense and is solid. Yeah. Not always, but usually. Right. Yeah. So um yeah, there wasn't, I believe there were, I don't think there was any, no testimony on this against. I, I don't remember seeing any. And it, again, this is one of those that just went through just pretty much really easily. Yeah. Yeah, it did. You know, there were a few pieces of testimony, but it, right. See, yeah, it's, it's one of those, like, this makes sense bills. Right. Uh, so Yep. The yeah. other one on the 13th, though, was <laughs> was uh, not as clear cut. No, that was LD 1845, an act to amend the education statutes presented by Representative Brennan of Portland and yeah. buckle up. I mean, geez. <laughs> oh, this is a rough one, only because there's there is a lot in it. There's a lot. Yeah, there, um, there's there's. 
there's 12 pages to this bill. Yeah. And a lot of it is just redacting a lot or a lot of it is just taking yeah. out and, and, and restructuring and trying to make sure that all of the the things that we we say in our current statutes are aligned with the things that have been recently passed and recently right. adopted and make sure that the, 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 the language is all consistent and that it makes sense so that right. we're not talking out of both hands or that we don't have one law here, then five lines later, we have another line that contradicts that very line. Right, right, right. That's what, it, that's what it's attempting to do. And so at the same time, and so there was against and so the the concern expressed is that that there, that there are wholesale changes, which I can absolutely see how one would get that impression by right. looking at it. I do think the title of the bill right away makes anybody kind of raise their eyebrows and go, "Wait, what? Um, <laughs> right? What's in here?" Um, and I, I do think like, so also expressed was that perhaps it should have been chunked out a little more rather than as one huge, here are all the changes. Um, valid, do they each need to be debated? I don't know, that's what the, that's what the, the against opinion has to say. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I have a but in that... general, most people are kind of, it's kind of similar to the other bill where so many eyes had already been on it. And the DOE was so able to explain concisely and clearly what all the changes were and why that um, Absolutely. I don't expect there will be much of a problem, but who knows? Who knows? Who, who, who knows? It, it, it's, it's just procedural stuff that they have to go through to amend the statute to make sure it's all right. But, I, I, but yeah, they, again, like you said, there, there was so many in there that people were like, whoa, DOE is making all these sweeping changes yeah. when it's like, uh, we're just adjusting the language based on the changes you all made. Right, right, yeah. right, right. It's like, you know, the ripple effect, you know, right. you change do. something in law and then inevitably there's language in the statute somewhere else that has to be changed also. Uh, so that's, that's what this really it's, is. Yeah, it's just editing. It's just editing at this point is what, is what it really comes down to. But uh, but I also can see that this, I would say, well, there's too many of them. But then mm -hmm. I can also see like, if I were on that committee or so, I know a lot of people would be like, just give it to all, all at once. Well, I we, know, right. If, yeah. we, if we need to separate out certain things, we will. Because if we try to have an individual public hearing for each one of these, oh my gosh, this will take up all of the time until April. Yeah, it will. It will. As opposed right. to just one day and talk about it. And if we need to take a second day for others, we can amend that to, to strike that language out and then bring that one back. And so, then, so something that will happen for the work session, if you watch, and I don't know, I, I think this is the blue paper thing. I don't know uh, if the public can get these, but the analyst, Hillary Risler, will actually go through, oh, she's amazing, amazing. We'll go through each of those changes and refer it back to the bill that um, uh, indicates those changes. So the whole committee will get that for the work session. Um, this is just another time for us to implore them to please make the blue sheets available. <laughs> I think sorry. they started to last session. Did they? I think so too. They I don't remember. started to, and I, I hope that they continue that practice because uh, you know, not, not everyone can get up there to see all of the stuff and to be in the, in the work session to get those blue sheets. And the blue sheets are truly magical. 
Yeah, it's for, cool. For anyone who likes this kind of like policy changing legal statute statutory stuff, the blue sheets or whatever color they might be that day are fantastic because they just they they go into the depths and the connectivity and here's why yeah. and it's it's just a thing of you can just get lost in get lost we should, we should see if we could get hillary on if she would want to come on and just and talk about her job not to like be political in any way but to talk about her job well, we can always ask we can always ask so all right so we've been at this for a little while all um yeah. next week is all mostly it is all work sessions next week so um one thing we have talked about Matt and I about something we'd like to do with this podcast is give you all more tools to advocate for yourselves, right? Like Absolutely. as, as you listen, something, so maybe next week when we record, we talk a little bit more about the process in general, because we can report out on the work sessions a little bit, but we won't have, um, and we can preview what's coming up, but at, somehow we're going to try to work some of that in. Yeah. I think what I want to say today about all of that is what I have come to learn about the legislative process is that it's really just a formalized way of people being like, hey, I have this idea. And then people going, huh, tell me more about this idea. Or what about this about that idea? And then I'm going, okay, let's talk about it more next week and make a decision about whether we want to keep talking about this idea or not. That's all it is. That's all it is. It's all it is. It's it well, especially at this stage of it. This that, that yeah. that's what this stage is all about. Is that when it starts getting into the voting, it gets a way more complicated. But at yes. this but at this stage, this yeah. is it's kind of cool. Like I have an idea. Great. Yep. Let's let's throw it out there and talk about it. And ask questions about it, and then come up with all. The, I think it, I think it's yeah. yeah. So it's I fun. think it'd be great to give uh, give our our faithful seventeen listeners out there. Um, <laughs> some tools and some supports yeah. on it because providing testimony and being part of it, it's crucial. It's also really easy. And giving now that they're doing a lot of most everything by zoom, um, it has opened up accessibility to their committee than it more than it's yeah. ever been. Yeah. So All right. Public, there, there is a public hearing. The public hearing is coming up soon. And I think the next one's scheduled around the 25th, but we'll get yeah. to those, uh, get to those later. Yeah. So, Hey, everyone. We're going to listen so you don't have to, but there it is. keep listening to us and um, thank you for letting me be the co-host of Maine Education Matters. Oh, no, no, no. The, the, again, the thanks are all to me because I don't have to do as much work. <laughs> we it's not because we I enjoy hanging out with you or talking with you or getting your insight. All that stuff I said before, that was a lie. The truth, <laughs> is, the truth is that I don't want to do as much work. All right, well, we haven't talked about my contract yet, so uh, let's uh, let's stay on after we stop recording and, and hash some of this out then. Absolutely, right. the, the, our, our our crack business office team will be right on that, I'm sure. Uh, but anyway, if you wanted to uh, get in touch with us, let us know how we're doing. A couple ways to do it: you can uh, follow us on Twitter at Mainnet Matters, on Facebook, Facebook.com/slash Main Education Matters. We have a website out there somewhere. Uh, it hasn't been updated in a long time. We might get to <laughs> updating it at some point. I don't know. Uh, we'll see how it is. Again, that's on our cracked social media and web presence team. Uh, yeah. We've had to fire them several times and rehire. I get it. I get it's, it. It's, I understand it's, that problem. Pretty rough. Uh, you can follow me online at Druette Card, and you can follow Courtney at Belowland C. I I don't I don't really say a whole lot, but you can follow me. 
<laughs> you know, you never know. And with that, thank you again for joining us, for coming back for what is basically we're calling season six. Season five did kind of start in the fall, but now we're starting. It was a short season. That's right. All right. But Bye, everybody. Thank you so much. Bye.